welcome everybody to Empowerment Podcast. I uh, hope you're having a good week. Uh, Rafi, how you going, mate? I'm good, thank you, Mosho. Thanks for asking. How are you, Anthony? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, guys. We uh, have, keen to be here. We have uh, an absolute legend on the show today. Um, oh, that's right. You wanted me to pull him on after. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, I'm, the, I'm just a tech guy. We're live, you know. <laughs> I'm too big to hide. It's okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Well, I thought for, there might be a few people that, you know, don't know what we're about. So I thought we'd just have a quick word and say what we're about. Um, so I'm Cole and you've got Raf up there. Raf is sort of the, the mastermind behind the whole thing. He's the tech guru um, and, you know, he makes it makes all this happen, which is awesome. So um, I'm a personal trainer. Um and you know do other stuff but Raf, Raf and I are hosting this and what we want to do is bring on people each week who've got a story something to tell something to share that can help um men, men particularly but you know I know from a lot of feedback there's been a lot of ladies listening and that's awesome too you know because um we're not just wanting to be exclusive about it but we want to really share real life stuff particularly relating relating to men so um, and as I said last week, it's not about Raf and me. It's about our guests and it's about the people listening here that, you know, we want them to be better versions of themselves, so sort of mentally, uh, physically building stronger relationships and having good, good functional relationships as, as partners and fathers and that sort of thing. So I want to introduce to you, Andrew. No, not Andrew. That was last week. <laughs> How fun's life? <laughs> I want to introduce Anthony. So, Anthony, he's my uh, my powerlifting coach. He's an absolute legend of a guy. Um, if you look at, you probably can't see that much, but he's got this massive beard. <laughs> like, I think he's part Viking. Um, <laughs> but uh, we we want to chat to him about a whole range of things range of things tonight um and uh including like some stuff about how he got started in, in his lifting like he you know some of you know but some of you won't know that this guy he, he puts 400 kilos on his back weight and he'll he'll squat and i saw him do it only a few weeks ago and then he'll he jumps down grabs 400 kilos off the ground lifts it up and deadlifts it and benches over 200 kilos, and he's just like, but he's an all-round awesome guy. So, um, welcome, Anthony. Cheers hope, for having me on. Hope you're going well. How's COVID treating you? Oh, it's, well, it's been all right. Like it, it's been long. Obviously, gym's been closed. I own a gym. Um, it's been closed since March, so it's been a long haul. But uh, you know, I'm actually doing pretty good. Yeah. Like, especially now, doing really well, actually. Yeah. Thanks. No, How about awesome. you, boys? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're all pumping through. I can I can do my uh, PTs outside, so I've got a few few sessions going, or quite a few sessions going each week, so we're, we're cruising. Uh, I think, Raph, you're, what, are you, what are you up to? Yeah, it's just working, working, working. It's um, been a bit crazy this year. Um, I work in a comms and marketing role, and digital, online, comms, there's all had uh, uh, extra amount of pressure put on it, put it that way. So it's been yeah. um, 
an unbelievable year in terms yeah. of work-wise. Yeah. You find I know a lot of clients are saying working from home, the workload's actually gone up because there's no nine to five. So people are like, hey, it's eight o'clock at night. Let's have a meeting. 100%. And what happens, and we had a long meeting about this last week. I'm not very good at it, but you have a meeting from um, nine to 10, 10 to 11, um, 11, 15 to 12, and there's no break. Whereas if you're having meetings at work, you get in the car, you drive for half an hour, you might, you know, stop at uh, a local health food cafe, I'm not going to say Macca's, and grab a coffee. <laughs> that's your downtime and that's your, that's your wind down, you know, half an hour there. But yep. when you're back-to-back meetings and you have to put your cap on for this and then put your cap on for this, and it's, it's very different to try and, you know, get your head around all of it. So it yep. is... Um, it, it's every tiny little space is filled with work. So that's that was my discussion with my boss this week, saying, I'm not sure how I'm going to go going back to work, fitting in 42-minute drive one way, each way, because um, I've already filled that with work. So unless I hire a driver that's going to work while I while they I'll work while they drive, <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Hey, there's always a solution. Perfect. Hire a driver. <laughs> Uber. Yeah. Uber. Yeah. Well, if the gyms Excuse are open now, I'm available. So. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's good. All right. Well, I think it would be good to sort of get going with Anthony and, and sort of chat about, I'm interested to hear about how you started lifting. You know, you've come from from like somewhere, you know, and now you're like, you know, one of the top lifters in Australia and you're, you know, how did it start? What was the motivation? Why did you get it? How did you get involved? How long ago? Just give us a brief idea about that. So I started lifting twice. I actually started uh, as uh, probably about 17 years old, maybe six, 16 and a half. I started, I, you know, didn't love the way I looked. I was quite big, quite heavy. Um, so I went to the local Genesis and um, approached the PT there. Well, I actually started training, but then I approached a the PT there. Like, and I wanted to be a bodybuilder of all things <laughs> and an actual bodybuilder. So um, he was like, all right, you need a cut and we'll get you to do a show. And I got, you know, nothing against him. I got some bad advice. So I was sitting there, I was eating like all I ate was microwave chicken breast and couscous. <laughs> so I microwave both. I'd eat them. They were so bland because I wasn't allowed to have salt. But then I got one cheat meal a week where I'd eat like four deep fried Mars bars and a Parma. So, <laughs> um, so I did that and I trained with Tyler, my best mate and the gym owner. And um, oh, co-owner, and then uh, I stopped at 18. I started working at Crown Casino, and I was doing 70, 80 hours a week. So it just wasn't realistic to train. And I was always like, I'll go back, I'll go back. And you never go back when you're doing that much work. So I trained for about a year, a year and a bit as a teen. And then I started again just before I was 21. I actually, I was like, I want to do bodybuilding, I want to do bodybuilding. And my boss at Crown was a weightlifting coach, and he'd done powerlifting um, or powerlifting training through his whole life, my boss. So he got me into the gym. So I went to the gym and I deadlifted like 200 kilos in my first week. And I was like, hey, this uh, this is fun. This is way more fun. And I, and I remember being like, and you're saying I don't need a cut. I don't need to eat chicken and couscous. <laughs> um, so he introduced me to it. And then I moved to England and signed up to a gym there um, that had a bunch of IPF boys. They all competed in the IPF. And they kind of took me under the wing. They saw some potential there. They're all really nice blokes. I'm in contact with them all still. Um and they got me into my first comp after about a year of training oh. at that point. So, so how was the first comp? Like, just give us a brief experience of that. Uh, Nerve-wracking. I remember going there. I used to be a bit of a partier. So I went to – I drove four hours with one of the boys competing and we sat up and had some beers <laughs> the night before comp. <laughs> and then um, 
I was really nervous in the day because I didn't know anything. I remember I was so, um, you know, something I'm pretty open about my social media. I've got really bad anxiety. And I remember sitting there and he's running through how the day is going to go. And the only thing I could ask is, can I wear my hat <laughs> when I lift? And he looked at me, he was like, is this a serious question? No, you can't wear your hat. And I was shattered because I had this like raggy hair. It was super long. Um, and the first comp was actually great. I think well, I squatted 265 kilos, a bench like 170 and deadlifted 300. And that was about a year after training, a year and a bit. Yeah. And so you were like early 20s. At that, uh, that point, I would have been, yeah, about 22. Yeah. So for those people who don't know what a powerlifting comp is, what just briefly explain, like, there's three lifts. and Yeah. So what you do is you go in, you weigh in, um, and then there's three lifts. So you do the squat, bench, and deadlift in that order. So you warm up for your squats. You do one attempt, something nice and safe that you know you're going to get. And then you do two more, trying to do better every time. Same for bench and deadlifts. Um, and the whole goal of the competition is to make uh, create a really nice total, a heavy total, right? So that's your biggest squat that passes, your biggest bench and your biggest deadlift put together. Yeah. Um, and then obviously in each weight class, the biggest total wins. And then they've got this thing called walks points or, you know, other ones have dots. Um, it's a kind of a way to compare strength between relative strength between weight classes. And there'll be a, a, a male and female winner for the day. And they're yeah. the ones with the biggest points. Yeah, awesome. So, so and is there a limit? There is like, do you, if you don't hit the weight, if you, if you're um, deadlifting and you don't get the weight, do you get another attempt? And then how many attempts do you get in total? So you only get three of each list. Some federations uh, will let you do a fourth if it's a world record, but that's not common. So you only get three of each. So say if you go there and you get all your squats, but you don't get any of your bench presses, whether they're too heavy or you put them in too heavy or um, say your bum comes off the bench press, that's a no lift. Uh, if you bomb out, you you don't get a total. You don't. You can if in local competitions, they'll let you do your deadlifts. In international ones, I don't think they do. Um, or in some fest, so they weren't. Three lifts, regardless if you get them or not. Yes, yes. So it's not like if you miss three, they give you an extra. Right. Gotcha. <clears throat> like in my last comp, I missed my first two squats. <clears throat> like just just on, on technicalities, like I I. I squatted before i actually was called to squat because it's very specific you can't just yeah. get out there and just jump in and just squat you've got to wait for the referee you know and it's very technical so i missed my first two so i had to make sure i got my third one so anyway that that's another story and then once you hit that you go on to the next, yeah, then next you, and that's it i get at least i get the total from that that lift, and then I go on the bench press and deadlift there. Yeah. So if you so, hit, you know, sorry to blabber on this, but if you hit the squat like a really good weight and it's a PB in the first lift, do you just, can you just go on and keep, or do you have to do another two lifts in the No, squat? you don't have to. So, I mean, not that you, you would hit a PB on the first for most of the time, but if you do one and you're happy with that and say you just want to go for a deadlift record, so you want to save energy, yeah. um, you don't need to do the other two squats. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. No, but you have a maximum of three attempts. Yeah, gotcha. No, that's good. So you start early 20s doing a comp and then bring us sort of a quick version from here to how old are you now? Uh, 27. 27. So there you go. So looking at like, you know, five or six years down the track, in your, in terms of your lifting, what, what can you tell us about how you've progressed and what your goals are, I guess, in, in the future? Um, oh, so how, as in how have my numbers progressed? Well, I mean, 
I came in with what I thought was a bit of a bang. As a junior lifter, you feel like if you're strong, you feel like you're the best thing in the world. And then you go into the opens and you realize that everyone's actually really strong and they've all been lifting for 15 years or 12 years. Um, but I competed fairly frequently, which, you know, a bit too frequently. Um, but I progressed every time pretty rapidly. Um, and then now, like, you know, from day one to now, now I squat 400, bench 227, deadlift 400 in the gym. Um, but it's, you know, the numbers are different, but you know, you're looking at that's over seven years, right? So really I've put on 20 kilos a year on my squat, 25 kilos a year on my squat, which is amazing progress in this sport. Yeah. Um, so it's been slow and steady. I've done a lot of competitions. Um, I've competed in different federations. So I competed in IPF, which is the biggest, well, the biggest federation in the world. I did their world championships. I've done another couple other feds like world powerlifting now i'm in um like invite like big like pro roar and stuff are the comps i'm looking at doing now yeah awesome so how is that how have your how have your lifts gradually got better in terms of your body weight so where where's your body weight sort of so i've actually gotten lighter um so i started out as a super heavyweight a light one i was 123 so to milk those gains, I uh, like to eat a lot of pizza back in the day. I wasn't quite health-minded and health-focused. <laughs> I ate a lot of pizza. Um, and I got up to – I peaked at about 145 kilos. It was my heaviest competition weight. Yep. So super heavyweight. Again, the, the weight class is 120 plus, so anything over 120 super. Yep. Uh, and then I, I, I realized I wasn't really living an ideal lifestyle, a lot of bad food, a lot of alcohol and stuff. Um, so I cut down 25 kilos – um to the 120 class and my lifts actually stayed pretty pretty level my deadlift went up a lot my total went up but my bench dropped a little bit temporarily until now um but yeah there's actually been like you know there's i, I spiked and then i came back down and now i'm a 125 lifter um but obviously putting on body weight helps lifting but putting on bad body weight just stacking on the kilos not lean tissue doesn't help as much as people like to think and I thought I'm you glad you clarified that because when you said I eat a lot of pizza, I'm a body, I'm a, I'm a weightlifter, that would that put me in the class. Yeah. <laughs> I was there. But then you talked about it not just being about pizza, and that's where I had to take my, I had to change my title again <laughs> to just rap again. Yeah. And I saw on your Insta you today. You can do that if you want. <laughs> accidentally, to the, accidentally, you you hit 129 kilos today. Oh, yeah. So I've been in an off season. So I've been eating and my weight wouldn't go up. And I was eating, eating, eating. I was eating like 6,200 calories. Then I dropped my calories a bit, but we're doing a lot more volume. And um, I weighed in. I didn't weigh myself for a, for a week or so. And then I jumped on and I was like, oh, no, I've put on like four kilos. <laughs> four kilos. Um, so I, I accidentally ate too much and trained a bit too much and hit 129. Oh, so I, I maybe we'll move on to sort of... Something I, I saw on Instagram a little while ago, and I thought, wow, it, it was it was a, a quote, and I'm going to read it. It says, I've never been confident in how I look. And this is quoting you. I've never mm. been confident in how I look. I don't remember ever being comfortable enough to take my shirt off around people, but that's slowly changing. So for me, I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, you're like a meat axe of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, literally, I I walk and I, I you know, pre-COVID times, I give you a hug and I'm like, I, you know, I couldn't quite get around you and I'm, all I feel is muscle, you know. <laughs> so, 
talk to us a little bit about that. And like, obviously, there's some some body image stuff that that, that you've had to deal with, you know, through your life. Yeah. So, you know, body image issues they're, they're usually deep rooted, right? They start young. Um, so a lot of mine are my family has a lot of body image issues. So all I heard about, not myself, but my family's bodies and what they're doing, they're always trying to lose weight. They're always critiquing themselves. So what do I do? And what do I still struggle with now is constantly critiquing myself. So like I uploaded a shirtless photo yesterday. I'm really big. I'm not super lean, but I'm bigger than ever. Like, um, and I'm looking at it I'm like, oh, like look at my waist. Like it's true, you know, so they're really deep seated. So that's something that started, a lot of it was the family. Um, and just being exposed to that negative talk about themselves constantly, like my, you know, saying my mom always talking about her weight or my dad or my sister or my siblings. Like, um, so I think that's where a lot of it started. And then getting into the fitness industry, uh, I use the word fitness loosely for myself, but <laughs> uh, getting into that industry, you start comparing yourself to other people and you become hypercritical. Uh, so you look and you're like, well, I'm in this guy's weight class, but he's shredded with abs and I'm not, it doesn't matter if I lift more or not, you know, just looking at the physique. Um, yeah. So yeah, something I've really battled with, it's something I'm, I'm getting a lot better at. So, you know, what I tell myself is, well, I'm in a sport, I'm in a performance sport. And while I want to look good and look in the way, look the way I want to look, uh, really my numbers are what matters. So while I don't want to look terrible, terrible, right, I want to, I've got a goal I want to look like. But yeah. that's come secondary. And that's how I'm actually progressing a lot is, well, are your numbers going up? Are you lifting heavier? Are you progressing? Well, that's really all that matters. And then looking better, again, I put that in quotation marks, better, um, yeah. is just a byproduct of that. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be fair to say, though, in line with this, and I'm not sure if this is where you're going, Mosh, but the whole body image thing, a, a myth has been for a long time that body image is really only women only struggle with that. In fact, only teenage girls really struggle with body image. It's not really a guy thing. Guys don't really, you know, they'll they'll happily take their shirts off and play skins, soccer on the beach kind of thing. But but it is actually a, a real thing for guys. It's it's I think what you're saying here, Anthony, is hitting a nerve with many men, whether they've shared it or not, because they would resonate with what you're saying. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, I, I can honestly say I've never played a shirt a game of skins unless I was really common. And something as a coach, and you'd see this as well, Colin, as a coach, is it's like like so many guys, especially younger men, I'm finding it's really common because of social media and everything. Um, it's a really common and really big issue. Like I know so many men that won't take their shirt off or won't even nowadays, like, won't even be seen in a singlet. You know, they won't even wear a sleeveless shirt now because they're hypercritical of how their arms look or yeah. that, you know, their arms aren't big enough or lean enough or, you can, you know, you can see they don't have big pecs. Like, um, yeah. so it is really common in men as well as women, but a lot yeah. more common than people think with males. Yeah, and I, I think the rise in, um, you know, um, actors being absolutely ripped and jacked all the time. Mm. You know, what, what are the most popular movies? They're all superhero movies. Yeah, it's something I actually wrote here, right, is, we're, yeah, we're looking at, I mean, look at your action figures even, and the same thing goes for females, with the, you know, how it was with the Barbie dolls and that, but talking about it explicitly from something um, I've gone through is looking at men in Hollywood and, like, you see, they're all hyper-masculine, super jack, super lean, like, but not just a fit male, they're almost bodybuilder-like, right, look, look, look like Arnold and stuff like that, The Rock, Um 
And the other thing you, you, you tend to realize is, you know, you look at media and um, a lot of the time people don't have an issue when, like, uh, what, what's the guy that plays Aquaman? So Jason Momoa, he recently had a photo where he wasn't in, yeah. in super great shape. He, he packed on a few kilos. Obviously, he wasn't trained to. He was on holiday. And this um, this this page said, oh, Jason Momoa was, like, let himself go. And they're, like, assessing his body and, and like, having a dig at him because he's not shredded for a movie role. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and you look at that and you're like, well, Jason Momoa on his worst day still looks pretty good. And... You know they're tearing him apart. So what am I supposed to think about myself? That's what a lot of that's what that chain of thought. That's where it leads to. Yeah, and exactly. Go on. Yeah, I, I was just going to say I think that's that can be in like my world too. With bodybuilding, you know, we, I train people to be at their absolute best and peak at one certain point, and I call it landing the plane. We're landing the plane, and they're at their absolute peak of condition. And that's not your normal life. <laughs> you know, that, that is just a, a once-off for a show and then you're not going to be like that all the time. But then you put that picture up and then someone else looks at it and says, well, hang on, that person must be like that all the time. And it's not true, you know. It, this whole body image thing, though, I think is, is very much a, a wrestle with what you've just talked about, Anthony. It's a wrestle between the head and the heart. The head tells you, I know that image I'm looking at is actually photoshopped, but your heart says, I want to be like that, even though we all know that that image doesn't even exist. It's been, you know, there, there's some taken off the hips, there's some taken off the off the shoulder, the, the lips are a bit fuller than the, the norm. And that head and heart wrestle is the, where the tension lies in this whole body image thing. Yeah, 100%. And that's really something people don't realise. It's really common even on social media um, for people to edit their photos and not even maybe in Photoshop, but they sharpen it. They increase. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the actual, there's sharpening. There's another one, you know, so it makes them look leaner. They change the lighting. Yeah. So they look leaner. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to post a photo on my worst day. Am I like, I'm, I'm not going to post a photo sitting down shirtless, eating my, my last meal of the day. Cause mm -hmm. I don't, I won't look great in it. Um, yeah. And just like with um, something on what Colin was saying with, you know, you're looking at these Hollywood people, what other people don't realize and, what people need to understand is that these people are getting paid to look good, right? Just, just like a bodybuilder, it's, it's their job, you know, after a certain point in bodybuilding, I know a lot of bodybuilders aren't getting paid, but you know, if you, if someone says we're going to pay you millions of dollars and you need to act and look really good for this movie, well, you know, you can get the best trainers, the best nutritionists, someone to prep your meals for you. You don't have to worry about working 50 hours a week and then coming home to a family and living a normal life, right? Like, so, you, you know, and this is what I really tell people is you can be, and the same goes for strength sports, you can be as strong as you can be in your current situation. That might be really strong, it might not, but, you know, life doesn't just go on hold because you have a goal. So sometimes the goal needs to be adjusted and changed to what's realistic. Yeah. Yeah. No, sure. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, you look at, I mean, I'm a big Formula One fan, so I like Lewis Hamilton, and, and he'll occasionally take an Instagram shot where he's like, I'm just hanging with my dog. Well, actually, you can see his yacht in the background. He's on a boat. He's probably got a couple of lighting guys, two people holding a camera. They've taken about 40 shots. He's checked through to make sure, hey, I really like that one, but can we edit that first? And that it's just not real. Mm. But then the other side of the coin, I don't know if you watched the footy last week, there was an interesting comment that BT made. There was a shot where one of the footy players was about to take, um, I can't remember who it was, take a shot from the pocket. And they were waving and BT said, oh, 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 
that guy really needs to tighten up the bottom lower half of his arms with the weights. I don't know if you heard that or not. But what you're saying is right, Anthony. We know deep down that, you know, body image is one of those things, but then we hear others referred to in a body in a negative body image way and we take that on for ourselves yeah because you're looking at this high level afl athlete and you're like well if they don't think he looks good what do they think of me or at least you know your average person is thinking that like and you might not be consciously thinking of it but that 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 does you know settle in there and it does attack you a little bit over time especially when you're getting that a lot because you can name that one off that you heard that last week but then there's another 20 times you didn't recognize it was happening yeah. yeah. And and so I guess taking all that and then going, okay, well, how do we even get through life? You know, how do we actually work through this? I mean, what, what do you say to, you know, a guy who's 20 years old, you know, he's skinny, he's, you know, he wants to build up, you know, what, what do you, how do you help a guy with bad body, body image, you know, at, particularly maybe as a coach or even as a friend? Um, look, I think... It's a tricky one, right? It's about many, a lot of the time it's about managing expectations and giving people realistic goals. And that's not to say that, hey, your goal is unrealistic and you'll never achieve that. But like if someone comes into the gym and the average guy, maybe they're a bit skinny and they say, I want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator 2. <laughs> well, you've got to manage Who that doesn't? expectation, right? <laughs> exactly. Who doesn't want to look like that? But you've got to manage that expectation that like, you know, and go, hey, you know, you know, You've got a good start point, but let's let's make a different goal. Let's look like this. And what I, what I like to do is social media is a poison for a lot of people, but it's a really good tool as a coach to use because I know a lot of powerlifters. I know a lot of athletes that are natural. They look great. Um, they sport a great physique, but they also sport a very achievable physique. And, I, and you know, I'll pull it up and I go, would you be unhappy looking like that? Well, the answer is always no. Right, so I'm like, okay, let's not look at Arnold. Let's look at this guy that's 72 kilos and, you know, a good lifter. And let's aim to look like him. He's athletic, he's muscular, but he's not 110 kilos, which is unrealistic for 99.9% of people. Yeah. Um, so that's what I really do as a coach. I, one, talk them through, you know, opening up people to the world that there are, uh, like, special supplements, drugs that people use to look really good and get bigger and help them maintain a lot of muscle when they're lean. Um, the lifestyle, so even myself, like I, my, my partner does almost all of my meal prep. I sleep nine hours a night. I don't, you know, I coach, I'm involved in it. I don't have a stressful job. Um, so it's, you know, I like to give realistic goals and people that live realistic lives as well. Because yeah. you can look great, you know, but it's just, you might not look like a Hollywood movie star on their best day. Yeah. So so let's let's take that that next step then you just spoke about some people feel like they need somehow need to be bigger and need and they like I'm going to do whatever it takes and that's including like PEDs which performance enhancing drugs you know steroids or so, you know people generally think it's just steroids so that's probably the terminology but um, one of the main ones. Yeah, yeah. So what would you what how would you direct or guide someone who comes to you 20 years old and just goes that's it I, I everything my body image is so low I just I want to take drugs to you know I don't care what the consequences are I just want to take drugs so I actually did a video on this on my Instagram recently because I get this a lot right you get people that want to fast track results and um, it's one of those things where people they don't care about the health side effects until one it hits or until you sit down and explain it to them. 
like oh, oh heart issues that's that's in the future well i can name five bodybuilders that died recently in the last five ten years to that were in their 30s right like um and not to say that everyone that does them is going to die young but there are very real health consequences that you know aren't worth the risk for 99 percent of people um so something i like to do is one lay out the the very real health repercussions from them um this isn't a get rich quick scheme this isn't a free lunch there's no such thing as a free lunch and you likely there is a chance you'll be damaging your health very likely chance you'll be damaging health and there's a chance you'll be taking years off your life or reducing the quality of the years you have left as you get older um the other thing again referring back to using good realistic examples is i always pull up a picture of my best mate tyler and everyone oh my god i'd love to look like that yeah like he's an amazing physique. well tyler has trained for nine years or eight years however long it may be he's 100 natural um has an amazing physique he's just put a lot of time in he doesn't eat super clean all the time but he a lot of the time he'll track his nutrition a little bit uh, just to make sure he's on track he, he'll make sure he's not like you know partying too much or eating too much macas and stuff and he looks amazing and i say you know this is a lot easier this isn't a lot <laughs> this is a lot easier of a path than jumping on drugs and having to manage all the side effects all the health issues um coming off of them which have has its own repercussions mentally and physically right uh, and the other thing that people don't understand is that you know you hear it a lot i'll just use it till i get to my genetic limit <laughs> and you hear that all the time you see it online all the time i'll just use it to be where i want to be and i'm happy i'll be happy well one thing people don't realize is it, it is to an extent borrowed gains you're not going to do drugs for a while make it create this seat that you're happy with and then come off and keep that it, it goes away if it comes easy easy it goes away easy um and if you're above what you can naturally have you're not going to keep that when you try you decide to be natural again um so that's a big one that is you know you're not just going to do them once and get off of them the other thing is they're they're addictive they're addictive in the way that you start seeing the results and you get really big and um and you don't want to stop that but also as you get bigger most people forget that the the, the only day you'll be really happy with the physique is the day you, you start at the gym, right? Once you start progressing, you're always going to be hypercritical of yourself. Or a lot of people, not everyone, but people tend to be hypercritical. They always want to be bigger. They always want to be leaner. So it's not like you're just going to do them once. You're going to do you. You end up doing them repeatedly, and that's when you're going to damage your health for sure. Like you know, it's not a maybe, maybe not. There's it's most likely you know there's going to be repercussions here. And I, I think just explaining that to people in a very real way, using real examples, usually sways them. Because they go, oh, well, maybe it's not worth the risk, you know. And you know, we'll talk to people that are, that do them, and um, you know, I'll give people my experiences in that. And they usually decide. Like when I did my video, I had about eight blokes message me saying, "Oh, I was actually going to do this, and I'm not going to now." Yeah. People just don't think. They think, "Oh, there's going to be health issues," but they don't actually think in depth what that means for them in the next 10, 15 years. Yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So, so okay. Well, how how can guys then? increase their body image what, what what are some thoughts about you know physical training or the benefits of that sort of stuff what what would you suggest that people could go okay i'm going to get up tomorrow and i'm going to do this because i know my body image isn't there what can i what can i actually get up and do tomorrow so a big one is not comparing yourself to people 
right? So not always looking or following everyone on social media that you aspire to look like. It's, you know, because you're always going to be like, oh, I'm so far away from that. Oh, I look nothing like that. And that that's really hard to deal with when you're, when you don't, you know, you're looking at a guy, but you don't see the 10 years of training he's done to get there. Can you just hold on one second? I've just got to unfollow the rock. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is, and this is something I love powerlifting for, for both males and females, is really just more than something to ogle at and look at. So this is the great thing about powerlifting is that your body, it's a performance, what your body is doing something. Like, you know, I stand back after a big lift. And I'm like, man, like I just did that. Like I just lifted, you know, like a few weeks ago, I was like, I just lifted 400 kilos. Like that's, that's cool. Like, I, you know, at that point, it doesn't matter to me how I look. And, and not to say you need to lift 400 kilos to get off of that. It's, you know, you go in there and you start training and you're like, well, last week I did 60 kilos and now I did 65. Yeah. Like I'm progressing. So what I like to do is help, you know, with improving your body image is trying to change from, hey, I just want to look great to, hey, I want to look good, but I want to perform well because that's easy to measure as well over yeah. time. You can very clearly measure progress and goals. But a big one is, and you do find a lot of people, is comparing themselves to people on social media or on TV or I'd love to look like that, I want to look like that. Um, and the moment you stop comparing, you can actually start looking at, oh, I actually am looking better. I, I am happy with how I'm looking, right? But when you're looking at, people that have done it for 10, 12 years, like, of course, you're just in the beginning of your journey or you're early in your journey. Like, of course, you're not going to look anything like the top guys. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. And I'll just put a, put a hold on it for a sec and just let everyone know, if you've got any questions for Anthony, like, uh, punch him in and Raph will, be, Raph will be watching. We've got, yeah, we've got some that's coming already. Okay, cool. Well, do, do you want to um, ask a few of those? Yeah, sure. Um, we had Matt um, just on there, but the question disappeared. That I can't remember exactly what he said, but basically it was along the lines of what advice would you give to um, some guys who want to start their own gym, both from a, a practical point of view and a financial point of view? Like what would you say to them? All right. What do I say to people that want to start their own gym uh, financially and a practical point of view? Uh, one is don't practical is and also financial. Don't start too big. Right, we started in a hundred and forty square meter place. It was you remember what it was like, Colin? It was tiny, um, and we only bought equipment we could afford. We didn't buy the best brands. We bought equipment we knew would last, but we weren't going for the name brand powerlifting equipment, trying to sell that. Right, we were trying to we were selling ourselves and our service, and that's what really yeah. brought people through the door was us as coaches. So yeah. that that would be my advice: is start smaller than you expect to. We started smaller than we wanted to, but it was actually much better. Don't sign a long lease is another one, right? A two, maybe three, uh, if you have clients already, is more than enough. Don't get caught into signing a longer lease. Um, and also read read what's in that lease, you know. Don't, don't just gloss over it. Like make sure the percentage increase of rent is reasonable every year. Refer it out to a solicitor. You spend a couple hundred bucks on a good solicitor, but you save yourself a lot of money in the future. So all of those things, right? So it's just don't start too big. Don't just blow all your money on equipment and don't take out massive loans. We started our first gym, including months of rent up front. It was, I mean, you know, you don't like to name money and stuff, right? But it was it was under $40,000 to start an actual powerlifting club with the equipment and everything. That was all the flooring. That was the equipment. That was getting everything started up, getting the business started up. Um, and while that's a lot of money, we initially we were looking at over $100,000. As a startup, so we we went less than half, and now we're in a place bigger than we expected to be, um, and we've survived through COVID. Yeah, 
So just getting back to the, the body image thing, I don't know, you sort of, uh, it's almost like there's two two expanses. There's the guy that worships worship his body and then there's the guy that hates his body. So can you give us then any an idea about what's, what's like a happy medium? What's What would be something that you could go, how do you quantify what the difference is between worshipping your body and then hating your body or ignoring it? And and how you how you blend that? Where do you where do you what what's the right point? Do you reckon? So are you saying that someone that's hypercritical of their own body that yeah. the one person? So I think both of that comes from a little bit of obsession, right? Yeah, yeah. So so what people really need is to understand that, and and what I find is people need balance, right? So whether it's worshiping or, or hating yourself, like if you're worshiping your body, like and you're missing out on all social events because you're scared of any changes in your physique and stuff, um, you just need to bring balance to that. Like, yeah. uh, it's harder to say when someone's hypercritical of their body because that's usually quite deep-rooted. But, um, yeah, it's one of those things where you need balance. So, like, you know, I'm a powerlifter, but now I'm many other things where I didn't used to be. So I used to be a lot more critical of myself and my lifting. Yeah. Um, what I, you know, I when my whole identity was just trying to be – one thing, yeah. because I was always unhappy with myself. Um, I, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I think, I think, um, sort of what what you are saying about about just being hypercritical is, you know, that you've got to then look, wake up and look in the mirror and go, well, what am I happy with? But not obsessing over it. And you know, the one I like to is like, okay, look, these things you want to improve improve of them and start improving on them and move forward like you're not going to get to your goal any faster by tearing yourself apart and obsessing over it yeah so if yeah. you're going in you're eating right you know you've got your nutrition sorted you're training right you're training hard well sitting going home taking your shirt off and looking in the mirror i don't like this i don't like that i don't like my legs um isn't going to make you get to the goal any faster it's going to make it feel a lot longer actually and it's going to make yeah. progress seem a lot lower so that's the big one right is like hating yourself or tearing yourself apart doesn't help anyone. It just damages you. And, and I find it can be a, a demotivational thing that you go, well, what what the heck? I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to – I don't – I'm not going to eat well. I'm just going to eat crap. I'm just going to not train. And then that becomes a downward spiral. Yeah. How many times have you coached someone that, that trains for two weeks and goes, I haven't noticed any results? I'm like, well, yeah. you haven't trained for 27 years. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like two weeks isn't going to undo twenty-seven years of no training. Like, you know, wait, give it a give it a month, give it give it two months, and you'll start noticing progress, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Have we got any other questions there, Raf? Uh, yeah, we do. We've got um, Riley Timms has asked a question, and Scott Denter said, "Yeah, I really want to know the answer to that too." So this is what this is what Riley Timms has <clears throat> asked: How do you stay motivated when faced with adversity such as failing lifts or feeling off? So I think there's so this is something we we talk about a lot, right? Is you can give the generic answer of set set realistic goals and intermittent goals, <laughs> right? I train four days a week, great. That's a goal ticked off. And I I squatted, you know, in, when you squat 140, don't start thinking about 180, you think about 150. And that's a good advice to give, but it's very generic, right? Is set intermittent goals that are realistic. So that's a good one to put in, in practice. But um the the big thing is is don't you know if you've got a if you've got a big goal. So mine is next year I want to total a thousand 
2050 or as close to as I can for 2030. I won't be unhappy for 2060. Um, but you know, that's a big goal for me. I'm not going to hate myself if I don't get it. Uh, but the big thing people need to remember and realize is motivation comes and goes, right? So what really, really helps you achieve those goals and stay on track is discipline. Um, and it's not an answer everyone wants to hear, but I'm not super motivated to train five days a week and squat heavy all the time. And, you know, it's like my mental health gets bad and my body feels sore. And um, maybe like last night I had a terrible sleep, but I still trained. Um, motivation is fleeting. It's a good thing when you have it to use, but don't just constantly and consistently rely on it. So, you know, don't just, I'm not motivated to do it, so I'm not going to do it. Well, that's where discipline comes in. Well, no, like I need to do it, right? Like uh, I'm not going to reach my goals without that discipline. So that's what people don't realize is, when people talk to me, they're always surprised to learn that I'm not motivated 100% of the time all the time. I'm probably not motivated 30% of the time. You know, like there's a lot of times I don't want to train or I'd rather stay in bed, um, but I get out of bed and I still do it. And that's the big one, right, is is discipline helps more than motivation because motivation comes and goes depending on where you're at in your life and your mind and even how you slept the night before. Yeah. Just just camping on that, though, and... and um how much does enjoyment play a factor in you continuing to keep going? Like there's obviously a part that you enjoy doing what you do. How do you keep fostering that enjoyment? And does that enjoyment help you through the hard times? Yeah, 100%. That is an all like enjoy. You need to enjoy what you're doing. Like, and you know, if you're not enjoying, like I'm sure most bodybuilders don't enjoy their bodybuilding prep in the end, but they enjoy the results of that. Yeah. So you don't need to enjoy every minute of it and everything you're doing, but you need to enjoy the journey and what you're achieving. Um, with that said, like, and that, and that's just the reality, right? Especially, and this is coming from a high level lifter. I'm sure it's different. You ask someone else, it'll be a different answer, but uh, for clients um, enjoying say their training. So if a client comes in, the quickest way to make a client not come in anymore and give up is one, make the training way too hard and give them stuff they don't like. So someone comes in and goes, I hate front squats. And I'm like, okay, you're doing nothing but front squats. <laughs> you know, they're not going to be very motivated. They're not going to enjoy the process. So what I like to, you know, is if you don't enjoy, say when you're talking specifically about training or, and that if you don't enjoy 20% of what you're doing, that's not too bad, right? You can deal with that 20%, right? Improvements you don't like, you can get through those. When it comes to nutrition, you know, maybe if you're really cutting in that, you'd have more insight to this, Colin. Um, but you know, I go with like, for general people, you know, 80% of your food you should be eating, you should be clean and on track, but 20% enjoy your food, right? So you always give yourself a little bit, or in some cases like training, a lot of things you like, yeah. but you've got to understand sometimes it'll it'll suck, but it shouldn't suck more than it's good. Can I just say, I um, don't enjoy tempo. <laughs> Too bad, you're getting nothing but tempo. <laughs> no, but that's, no, that's the thing, a like, I have, you know, you see coaches like, oh, just suck it up. And, you know, especially when you're talking about gen pop people. So a lot of people, they're just lifting for health and that. Well, you need to make, you need to give them a reason to come back, right? So give them things they're going to like, they're going to enjoy, and that's going to keep them motivated. Like if someone likes doing belt squats, just give them belt squats. Yeah, that's good. And I guess part of that school of thought, I might be wrong, I'm just shooting from the hip, comes from, you know, the, the whole biggest loser kind of, mentality that if we just get some really huge people and just yell at them a male and a female just yell at them till they you know cry that's what gets the best out of them but in realistic realistically that's not going to get the best out of them. it will for a very short minute amount of time but over a long period of time they need to enjoy it and i'm glad you've talked about what 
fosters enjoyment in you. Yeah, and you know, like I like I enjoy lifting heavy. So for me, twelve weeks of hard work, or not twelve weeks. Say if there's two really hard weeks of training that I'm not enjoying, well, I know that the reward's going to be good. But again, that comes. It's different for different people. I think the biggest loser is a great example. Like most of those people put the weight back on, mm. right? Whereas you get someone that you say, hey, you don't need to starve yourself. You don't need to kill yourself for as a day training. Mm. I tell people this all the time. When they go, oh, I just want to train a bit to look better, be healthier. Well, I'm like, cool, let's do three one-hour sessions to start. Very manageable, very easy to add in. And they go, I don't feel like I'm doing enough. Well, are you doing more than before? Are you training hard for those that one-hour block? Well, then, yeah, you're going to get results. And then what they're eating. Don't, and this is something, I, I have friends, I have family members, something, you know, they, they, they starve themselves and they go, I'm going to quit, say someone's, I'm going to quit alcohol completely and I'm going to eat nothing but chicken and rice. And then three weeks later, you're like, hey, how's the cut going? And what, what cut? <laughs> like, whereas if you go, hey, let's just stop overeating. And this is something I said that worked really well. And stop overeating. Hey, you love McDonald's? Get a small meal when you go to McDonald's. Don't get a large meal and a thick shake as a drink. Get a Coke Zero. And they start losing weight and they're like, oh, I can still eat McDonald's. I just need to be reasonable with what I'm ordering or and not overeat, right? So they're still enjoying their food. You're not starving them. You're not completely changing their lifestyle. And, you know, they, they end up getting to where they want. The thing is people just, a lot of the time, people get their mindset that they want it now. Yeah. 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 But you, you've hit on something interesting there without wanting, you know, we're running out of time here, but your sport is very individualistic. So what I mean by that is when you have hit, when you hit 405, it's probably going to be you, your spotter, and a couple of guys that are going to know about it. There's no big crowds. You're not you're not Usain Bolt. You're not sprinting down a 100-meter sprint kind of thing. So surely how, how do you keep that, you know, that enjoyment in the achievement when there's no applause, there's no pat on the back kind of thing? You know what I mean? Comps are pretty big now, but I, I actually know, I see what you're saying entirely. My enjoyment, it purely comes from my own goals. So I don't like, yeah, I have numbers I want to hit. I have placings of all time I want to hit, like and being the all time totals. Um, but my biggest goal in powerlifting has been and will continue to be is just to be as strong as I humanly can be myself. And I would be training just as hard and still coaching and doing what I, what I could if I was squatting 250 now. Right. So, and I get just as much enjoyment as when I squat 250. It's like when a client squats 100, I'm just as happy for them as when a client squats 300. Right. So, for me, it's, it's, and that's the beautiful thing about sport, at least for myself, is I'm not, I mean, some people say I'm competitive. <laughs> I'm actually not super competitive. Like you can say, and I get it all the time, people go, you need to beat this guy. But that doesn't motivate me. I just want to do better than last time. I just want to see where I can go with this. And, and being like self driven like that means that I'm not disheartened if I'm behind someone else. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I just want to do better. I'm just going to keep getting better. And I know that sounds like cliche, but it's really not. That's why I do this, right? Like, I just want to see how freakishly strong I can get. And, and if I break records on the way, awesome. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a great mentality, but I think that's also a great mentality for everybody to think about. Just be a little bit better than you were yesterday or do something differently or more healthily or lift or do something tomorrow, the next day, and sort of try to beat yourself. Don't – this whole talk has been about not comparing yourself to someone else. Yeah, like don't – you know, everyone else is doing 10,000 steps, but you're doing 3,000. Don't try to shoot for 10,000. Shoot for 4,000. Yeah, exactly. So – and I, I think that that's a great message to put out there of, you know, 
look at where you are now and then take and take that next you yeah. know i think people expect me to have quite an extreme because i do lift so heavy and i am so committed to my sport like you know i i do sacrifice a lot for powerlifting not that i'm like oh it's super hard like but it's because i love that side of it that's what i love doing not yeah. you don't need to feel bad for not doing that there's no shame in just wanting to get stronger but not be the best like or not not be a freak like some people just want to be stronger and that's yeah. totally okay some people just want to look better yeah. that's fine you don't need to you know and you see people oh well, they go what's the point of doing it well don't you want to feel better don't you want to be healthier don't you want to be more confident yeah. that's just as good as the goal is breaking world records yeah yeah absolutely what right. is the world record for uh, squatting bench powerlifting all that in my weight class or all time like in all uh, your weight class. Let's go with your weight class. All right. Look, I can tell I've just pulled it up right now. <laughs> all classes, 125. The biggest squat is 472. Um, the biggest bench is, I'm trying to look, I'm trying to look. I think it's 276. And the biggest deadlift is... I can't tell you. Right here it says 400, but I'm sure it's bigger than that. It's ha it has to be bigger than that. Because, I mean, 472 and 400, whatever it is. Oh, you're 430. Pretty, 430. You're pretty close to that. Um, uh, 72 kilos is a big gap. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, so I want to, yeah. like, I, I, you know, I think next comp, if we aim for, like, top, I'd love to be, like, top five all time on totals, top eight that would be awesome of all time in my weight class i'd be super stoked with that in my next competition and then you just chip away after that yeah yeah and one and top five then top four then top three one thing anthony has always reinforced with me is that you have a training aid and you you're trained for a certain amount of time and initially you'll get massive gains like guy who asked the question before riley you know he's put on all this muscle in 12 months but it's because he's just started Mm. You know, so I can't expect to put on like eight kilos of muscle in a year, you know, but yeah. I'll, you know, a little bit. So for Anthony, the lift, the percentage of the lift goes down as you're trying to, you're hitting more of that ceiling. And that's what gets a lot of people. That's why a lot of people that, you know, their only motivation is trying to be the best. They're really motivated, motivated, motivated. Then they hit a wall and they don't really progress much for six months, which is completely normal when you've been training for a long time, you're competing at a high level and then they drop off and stop competing because they fall out of love with it. But really they were just in love with the massive PBs and the progress. Right. And that's why you need to find a reason outside of just trying to be the best or, you know, cause I think as JP Kalki says, it, it's one day we're all going to hit our last personal best. And what are you going to do after you're going to stop lifting? Well, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. But in reality, that would be, probably the time when some would take up the steroids and would take on the drugs and would find that extra edge to go that further right yes yes that's uh that that happens fairly common yeah. um, and that's where it comes in is, is to well have you hit the wall at if you're a 125 120 kilo person have you hit the wall at 200 kilos well no amount of drugs are going to let you squat 472 kilos did you hit the yeah, wall at 360 kilos? Well, you know, you've probably got a crack at being the best. Yeah. Like that's where it comes in, right? Is like when you say, hey, is it really worth it? Well, 
look, if you know you're 120 kilos squatting 220 and you can't get any further than that, and say your training's good and nutrition's good, right? Um, would it really be worth the risk to squat 300 maybe one day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good. I, I reckon it's time to time to wrap it up. We're trying not to make these go too long. So, so but but there's always a question we want to finish with, and that's just generally from your experience and life. It doesn't have to be anything to do with what we've talked about. But what's one thing you can encourage guys to do, like on a regular basis, that would help them become a better version of themselves or the best version of themselves? So I was thinking about this question and I was like, um, oh, I need something profound. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I don't have anything profound, but I rely on Old Faithful, which is, as you know, Colin, I'm very, very mental health orientated and driven. Um, and it's, it's something I put a lot of weight on in uh, in life and with people I'm around. And I'm very open with my own mental health battles and you know having my own ups and downs. So something I think a lot of men could do um, and something I see a lot of men that don't think they can do it is talking to someone about their mental health, their emotions, their fears, how they're feeling in general. Like, hey, I'm going through a tough time. doesn't need to be a psychologist. It can be a partner. It can be a friend. It can be a coach. Mm-hmm. I, I sit there and talk to people all the time about their mental health or, you know, they're just going through a rough patch. It doesn't – you don't always need to put a label on it. But just yeah. if you're feeling great, talk to your partner about it. Tell her, you know, or tell him. Like, tell them. Um, if – you're feeling really down and struggling to stay motivated or get out of bed and, and just go to work, talk to someone about it. And you, you don't, a lot of the time you don't want someone that's going to be like, here's your solution. Mm. But a lot of time someone just hearing and having a bit of input and understanding and being like, Hey, I went through that too. This helped me. That helps you a lot. Right. And knowing someone else has gone through it. Like I always get a big response to my mental health posts and a lot of messages um, because People realize that when they talk about people, other people can offer insight and something that might help you and help. Maybe you just click and go, oh, I could be doing this. Or, you know, maybe you click and go, I maybe need to get help from a doctor, right? You never know. Um, but I just think talking about mental health, feelings, emotions is really important for males. And I think we're getting better at it. But I think a lot of people could need that nudge and need to understand that, like, hey, I'm a bit like myself. This is why I'm so open about it. I'm a big, strong man, you know. Um, I'm super open about mental health and emotions and stuff. Yeah. What do you mean? That was profound. <laughs> that was awesome. No, that's super important. And it's a big part of why we do what we're doing here as well. Yeah, you guys are doing amazing things. Like, I'm so glad you're doing this. No, that's, that's well, awesome. one aspect that, um, you know, I don't know if you're part of it, but I've just put it on the um, screen now, is that there's a group called Blokes Unite. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but um, it's amazing it's um it's a facebook group and it doesn't feel like you're in facebook i mean i live my life in facebook as as work um but you know this this group has really policed really hard to make sure that people are sharing and the you know some guy will share very openly and honestly and there won't be one or two comments there'll be like 89 comments (laughs) and a majority of them i'm talking 99 percent are well done, mate, or I was going through the same thing and this is what I did kind of thing. They are really patting each other on the back in a virtual kind of way. Awesome. Um, I actually looked it up before, but there were a couple groups, so I'll get Colin to add me to it. So, yeah. Yeah, Blokes United with a D on the end. Oh, okay, so it's the first one that popped up. Yep, yep, you Blokes United, yep. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's awesome. It's, it's such a great Facebook group, so... 
Well, Anthony, thanks so much for coming on. It's been awesome to, to hang out and chat and learn a bit about you and get your pearls of wisdom. <laughs> I'm sure you, you wear a lot of pearls. <laughs> uh, hey, hey Raf, um, who have we got up next week? We've got Tim Forster up next week, so he'll be fantastic. Tim Forster is a uh, police officer, been in the police force for a long time. We're going to be talking to him about how he's managed to keep a very vibrant and healthy marriage amongst being in a very high-pressure job, and his wife is in a high-pressure job as well. She's been serving, uh, faithfully working at the Austin Hospital as a nurse for, I don't want to get this wrong, but it's somewhere in the vicinity of 20-odd years. So um, she certainly doesn't look like she's been there 20 years. She looks about 20, but um, you'll love Tim. He's fantastic. He's a great guy and got lots to offer. And he's got a couple of kids. Yes, yeah, fantastic kids as well. Awesome. Well, we'll all have to tune in again next week. And yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. All the best, Anthony. And, cheers. Uh, cheers, mate. Good on you.